Hello and welcome to the show tonight. You know, I think it was uh, Gandhi that said, if you cannot see God on the face of the next person you meet, there's no need to look any further. If if you cannot see God on the face of the next person you meet, no matter who that is, there's no need to look any further. What a powerful statement. Our scheduled show tonight is The Myth of Separation with Shameli Arda. When we talk about looking at the face of a stranger or perhaps even looking at the face of someone that just rubs us wrong and (laughs) someone who rubs us wrong, uh, our, the history of humanity is, is filled with um, such a such a history of struggle and pain and war and suffering and deceit and control and brutality. How are we to see God on the face of Hitler? on the face of terrorists, on the face of, of people who have such a, a, a painful intention for humanity. How can we see God in the depths of the shadow, the depths of the darkness of humanity? Well, it's a curious thing. The, uh, for myself, I've been on my uh, spiritual path for about 25 years. And it can, take a, it can take quite a while to get to the point of, I, I guess the term I would use would be the reintegration of your soul. To talk about the reintegration of your soul, the myth of separation of your soul. In, in the beginning was the light. In the beginning was the light, and it had no form, or uh, duality is a very common term for that. In the beginning was the light. And then in order, to, uh, I, I really like the example of a, a paint program. Um, everybody can imagine opening your laptop and opening up a paint program and starting a new uh, image. And there you are staring at a white screen. Every pixel is white. There's no separation, so to speak, from one pixel to another. And how can you draw it? Now, now if white is the only color on the screen, and if we look at the palette, 
the palette of choices, so to speak. And if the palette indeed itself is white, so I select the color white, the background is white. White is a metaphor for light here. I can't draw anything. I can't draw anything. I need a palette, a palette of color. A pa I don't even need color. I could be a palette of grayscales without color. So in the beginning was the light. In order to express itself, in order to become aware of its own existence, the, the source consciousness, if you will, needed a palette. It needed, it needed the ability to differentiate itself. And I believe in that first moment of creation was the first division, so to speak, of light. And, and if, if we think about that first division where we go from no physical space or no duality and, and we push, we create a sense of separation, that first Separation, I believe, is the root of all other creation. And when we talk about that, the, the idea of the yin-yang, or the masculine and the feminine, no matter what the, no matter what the thing is, a topic, uh, a painting, an object, it has masculine and feminine properties. In, in the beginning, when the light first created separation, in that first separation is the root polarity from which all other polarity came from. So if you think about that, in that first separation, that's the yin, the yang. That's the masculine, the feminine. And from that first separation, all other separation stems from that. So if you look at anything, there's a fundamental attribute to it. masculine or feminine, the yin or the yang. So let's fast forward that separation and, and just look how rich, look how um, magnificent creation is. There is so much diversity in nature. There's so much articulation in the expression of the creation of all that is. I mean, it, it, it seems um, fruit, uh, futile to try to describe the all of what is. You can be standing on the beach looking at the ocean with the cool ocean breeze blowing through your hair. You can be 
climbing a tree or dancing to music or watching a flock of birds fly around in the sky or, 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 really without end. Nature doesn't ever hesitate. There's no... There's no template to nature. It's always seeking another opportunity to express more possibility of what can be. It's looking to the next moment as a new definition. I don't know about definition. A a new version of itself. It's perpetually unfolding more and more and more. Nature on this planet's been at it for a billion years. And if we look at if we look at the the creation of all that is, everything seems separate. But in truth, it all has stemmed from that root creation, that root separation of the masculine, of the feminine, of the yin, of of the yang. I think we're going to have a great show tonight. Um, Again, the topic tonight is the myth of separation, and our guest tonight is Shameli Arda. As a team... She embarked on her journey as a spiritual explorer, which in 1991, at the age of 20, led her to India. So she's going to India at at 20 years old, where she has undergone most of her thousands of hours of intense practice of meditation and spiritual studies. She has also been through extensive training in group facilitation and spiritual counseling. Following her own love of prolonged periods of practice immersion, she she facilitates month-long ashram retreats in India and Greece, gathering with women from all over the world, as well as online practice immersions. She is the initiator of a global sisterhood network and the author of two books on feminine empowerment and spirituality, which has been published in three languages. As a visionary and CEO of Awakening Woman, she works together with a team of 12 women exploring a business model based on ease freedom, and honoring the cycle of nature. And she's also the very first winner of the new Human Living Humanitarian Award that she won last year. Uh, I'm, I'm totally impressed by her commitment to continually have fresh eyes, to continually look at things with new possibilities in each and every moment. I'm delighted to have her back on the show. Please join me in welcoming Shamali to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be back, to be back on the show again. And I look forward to 
where we will go and what we will explore. Well, the the, the myth of separation, you know, it's <laughs> who who could have guessed in 2019? Who could have guessed the depth of of the of our human nature that would be revealed that be um it's like the veil has been pulled back and back and back and we're seeing a much deeper aspect of the of the human narrative and i mean nobody needs an example of it we're all living it there's there's so much struggle for identity, so to speak, it seems like, in the collective. When we talk about separation, how do, how do we find ourselves in the chaos of, of separation itself? So many different versions of identity, so many different versions of how things should be. How do, how do we get a measuring stick or a a compass, if you will, to to connect with our own self with so much upheaval in the world. Yeah. Oh, there's so many layers to that exploration, and I think it is a, an important exploration. And in the in the spirit of bringing in or opening new um, perspectives and new doors. Um, I feel that, you know, to explore this question is more interesting than to find the right answer. <laughs> I think that's the kind of pathway that we are invited into these days. Uh, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, what I see now is that, you know, we are living in 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 that world that many were um, speaking about just a few years ago about artificial intelligence. Um, you know, directing our lives. And, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, each one of us started to, you know, we were locked in our houses and we moved online. And here we meet a world where, you know, that is governed by algorithms and the algorithms, they are serving, you know, uh, capitalism basically. Are they serving money? Uh, Not really human evolution. And uh, so each one of us started to click, you know, oh, that heading looks interesting. And then we clicked on that. And then we were served another heading. And then uh, each one of us kind of started to go down in different rabbit holes. Yeah. And now we are finding ourselves in almost like separate realities. Yeah. Many, I speak to so many who are experiencing families split and we see societies splitting apart and um, you know, uh, communities getting apart, which is also enhanced in this kind of disembodied world that we now are engaging so much in, uh, which kind of amputates, you know, a lot of the instruments we have of communicating and and resolving things. You know, when we are in the bodies together, we are, have much more information, uh, you know, at hand. So, um, so one one place to start is just to acknowledge that because what I see where people get very stuck today is that we think that we have seen the truth 
because we have seen it with our own eyes. We have read these articles, we have seen these videos, and then we get very identified with, but I have seen the truth. And then it's almost like a moral obligation to stand up for that truth, forgetting that it's a very, very partial truth. Yeah, All of us are just seeing a little piece of the elephant. <laughs> and then we think that we are seeing the big picture. Uh, and one way out of that kind of very stuck place, yeah, where there's just a clashing of opinions, clashing of perspectives, uh, you know, uh, you know, one immediate shift we can take is just to acknowledge that, that we see one piece of elephant, we can't see the whole thing. And already there we are opening a door to something else, yeah, a door to a more, yeah, to less rigid, narrow view. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, student of mythology and in mythology we see uh, we see we are we see kind of uh, although the content of the stories are changing according to what kind of circumstances we are finding ourselves in personally and collectively there are recognizable patterns uh, that um, many of the ancient myths are laying out for us and in that we can also see maps of how to entangle, you know, disentangle ourselves out of the mess. Like we can see how we entangle ourselves and also we can see pathways out of that, out of it. Yeah. Because we will never live in a world where we will all agree. That's just not, never going to happen. So how do we create a new story for ourselves that has room for uh, both kind of our values and our opinions? There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, holding that perspective that it's, I can only see through my lens and my lens will always, always be limited as long as I am in the human body. It, uh, it's, from my perspective, it's, it seems like the more complexity we add or, or perhaps expect of a sense of normal people for for many of us the sense of of feeling what normal felt like in 2019 before any of this happened we had a sense of connection we had a sense of um and i guess i'd say an an expectation that the world would be the same as it was yesterday when we woke up, where where we could kind of hang our hat and have a sense of comfort. And then we fast forward to today, and there's there's so much complexity to expectations. There's billions of people on the planet, and it seems like the narrative is bringing a more complex narrative, uh, a more complex conversation about what the what we're looking for. But to me, it seems like the the truth with a capital T it's it's got to have some elegance to it, some grace and that would suggest more of a, a, a simpler vocabulary a simpler set of traits 
when we talk about finding common ground or behind so many different perspectives or expectations. How, how do we vet that? How do we shake that out? So even though we might have considerably different perspectives of what we might prefer as a baseline, so to speak, for the collective, how how do we come to a, an agreement, so to speak, with with such a complex narrative unfolding? Yeah, there was something you were saying in the beginning about how we identify with these stories and the different perspectives. And that is also where it comes into, you know, the more spiritual aspect of this kind of work where we can see that, you know, what is playing itself out, itself out uh, you know, among us uh, is also happening within us. Yeah, So there are are ways that we can look at how we create that kind of separation within our own being. And then, um, of course, it plays itself out uh, between us too. And, you know, what most of wisdom teachings are pointing us to is to loosen our the glue, you know, loosen that um, Velcro between our sense of self and kind of the role we play or the opinions we are having, um, definitions that we call me and myself. And then, you know, through through spiritual practice or illumination, we can we can access a, a aspect of our being that is not um depended on these opinions and roles and definitions to go away, but that is here simultaneously. Now that it's it's a you know it's it's more our, our eternal being that will remain even if some of our roles and identities and definitions and opinions changes, which they will throughout our lives. So. And if our sense of self is not glued to the opinion, then it's not that life-threatening that someone else has a different opinion. You know, right. it doesn't yeah. a threat. It doesn't come a threat to who I am fundamentally. Yeah? So uh, that is one place where I see that spiritual spiritual practice is a very practical contribution to the times you are living in. It's not something esoteric thing that be happening kind of outside of practical life. I find that that kind of inner work is one of the, you know, is the, is, is a, is a essential part for us to meet uh, meet um, the challenges of our, our day-to-day life and, and, and uh, what is happening now. And what I also see, I just also want to mention another another aspect of this, um, because it is that kind of perfect storm that happened in in the terms that we all we all at the same time as all of this, all of these challenges and and and, and complexity started to appear, we also got very isolated. Yeah, so it was both happen at the same time. So we lost the sense of we, and I can I I see that in in societies and communities and even families 
where, where if we lose the sense, the kind of that secure sense of we, the story of who we are, and a we that that uh, preferably kind of or, or, or essentially has to uh, have room for differences, yeah, and have room for mistakes, and have room for all of what human is, that there's a basic trust in who we are and what we are doing together and where we're going. And, and when we don't have that, it becomes very volatile. Yeah? Then it becomes, like everybody is fundamentally, like the, in, in our roots there is an anxiety, yeah? there is a mistrust uh, because that those roots have kind of been harmed or or weakened or or um, yeah many have lost connection to the roots of the we. So that's why I'm also I have my opinions yeah <laughs> and I stand up for my values and all of this. But I see I have been really struggling with finding like what is my role in this whole situation yeah and I see where I'm drawn is to find uh, is a is to to explore the sto- like stories and um, yeah like to strengthen the container of who we are together and that you can still belong if you have a different opinion than me yeah that, and then from there we can actually have different dialogues with each other that we can actually you know listen to each other and actually maybe even change together you know into something even better than either or, you know, that is not like, I, I don't think that I will ever see, you know, a world where everybody will agree with me, you know, uh, but maybe that's not the point. Maybe the evolution is just that we all expand into um, a part of our consciousness that is the container that can hold differences. And um, yeah, so who knows <laughs> where are we going from here? Well, I, I like that. The, the heart of humanity has really been hungry, especially in the last year and a half, two years. The heart of humanity wants a, a more authentic narrative, a more genuine idea of what the future of humanity can be. And I think about the person that was perhaps addicted or um, very much attached to the notion of social interaction in 2019. And, and then reality struck, so to speak, in 2020, and they find themselves sitting at home, working from home, whatever, and, and they're isolated. And and up from the depths of their own psyche, they've never had an opportunity to really recognize unresolved aspects of themselves. I'm sure depression and and worry and fret and anxiety bubbled up within the psyche of so many people that never would have experienced those feelings had we stayed in our, our busy, quote, normal, unquote, narrative. And like I, I say, humanity's really hungry for a more grounded, a more connected, a more authentic narrative that we can collectively embrace for our future. And yet, if we don't heal 
if we don't heal the the turmoil that's right below the surface that perhaps we never would have saw without the gift of 2020, what does it take from an individual, from a personal level, to do their part, so to speak, to kind of push through the angst of the upheaval that that we're experiencing both individually and collectively. I mean, how do we kind of show up and do our part, so to speak, processing the incongruent aspects of ourselves that have been revealed over the last couple of years? Mm, mm. Mm. <laughs> You know, one of my passions and loves in this life is really to what I call like we are weaving, I'm weaving, weaving, weaving work, we're weaving exile parts of ourselves back into wholeness. Um, you know, another way to speak about shadow work perhaps. And, um, you know, in my own personal work around this, I just so much respect and compassion for humanity, how difficult that is. Um, And more and more also understanding of why we stay in denial, you know, until crisis hits, yeah, and then it kind of falls apart. But that we won't choose it, we choose to stay in denial. Uh, And one of the aspects that I have discovered in my own journey is that when we begin to face either voluntarily or just life hits us, yeah, like a global pandemic or personal crisis in our lives, uh, what happens is that when we begin to see where we have not been congruent, right that in that, there in that moment, you know, there are almost like wolf aspects, like hungry ghost aspect in our psyche that will come in and begin to um, judge ourselves so intensely of like, you know, when we wake up and see where we have not been aligned, uh, a part of the skills we need to bring into that moment is a capacity to hold ourselves with compassion for our limitations and for what we have done. Sounds, just to create an example that I think we all can see is that, for example, with the climate change, that we collectively, we keep our heads above the water, we keep perpetrating these uh, consumerism and these things that keep harming Earth, because when we stop that, we also have to face what we have been doing. <laughs> we have to be face. It's like you stop drinking. You have to face what happened when you were on the binge. That's why I have such respect for people in the you know twelve step community and recovery community. These are people that actually are see see they have faced the darkness of what they have been doing, and then you you move on. Yeah, you live on, and you choose to face it, and you choose to not drink yourself away from it again. So to to tolerate shame, the feeling of shame in the body, 
to tolerate grief. Yeah? I think there must be a room for grief of what we have done. And like also in our own life, you know, just the grief of all the years we were not fully present. Grief for all the ways we have acted out of integrity with our hearts. And then to be able to do that without, you know, beating ourselves up. Because when we move into that energy, we will drink again. <laughs> we, will, we will reach for whatever distraction again, you know, because it's unbearable to feel. Just that kind of. Um. So uh, I remember I had a teacher, she kept saying, you know, um, be, be gentle with yourself, have compassion with yourself. And I always kind of thought about it as kind of, yeah, yeah, you know, like a, that's nice, yeah, <laughs> or like an extra thing. Or, but I have oh, yeah. come, you know, the deeper I go into this journey, I've come to see it as the most essential tool we can bring with us. Like it's and it's not a narcissistic thing to love yourself and have compassion with yourself. It's actually, you know, that's where we can begin to have a taste of a human that can hold oneself. Yeah, like I can hold myself with all my feelings, all my weaknesses, and still stay. Yeah, to be present, and that's where healing happens. There's. There's something about compassion, I think, that sometimes eludes us to choose compassion. When we look at the lashing out of people, people that are very frustrated, very perhaps scared, afraid, I mean, the even to an extreme of perhaps rage. Rage has a sense of like hopelessness to it. Rage has a sense of I'm I'm drowning and there's there's nothing for me to hold on to and if I don't if something doesn't change my, I feel so volatile so um, ungrounded that I have to lash out. I have to, it, it, it's got a real panic to it. And I think people have kind of been, uh, for a lot of people, they've been pushed up against this idea of the unknown because 2020 was like such a slow burn reveal it started off with, um, well, there's something going on. And a month later, well, you know, it, it's like a slow motion burn that turned into a fury. And and people are tired and, the, and they don't get a sense of hope. They don't get a sense of um insight to see that there is indeed a path for humanity and and when they lash out in a sense of hopelessness and even to the point of of rage when you when you see their behavior and you don't have compassion for them 
they can seem like the problem itself because as an outside observer in this myth of separation, here's these people that are so emotionally charged and they're, they're trying to anchor their sense of their life. And for so long, it seems like everything, nothing sticks, no matter, there's so much perpetual change that it, you, you just can't trust that tomorrow morning there's not a new headline that throws it all askew. How does, how does compassion as a perspective, how can we bring compassion in as a perspective when we see people that they're not showing us fear, they're showing us anger and rage? Yeah. Yeah, it's important to see, you know, to discern between compassion and enabling because it's not the same thing. Compassion is not a consciousness. It is a very wise place. It's a very empowered state of consciousness. Compassion is not really a feeling or a virtue. It's actually what, where we land or where we uh, open into when we, things for what they are in um, you know and that is a theme that uh, goes so much uh, like a red thread through goddess mythology is is to see like when you were it was so beautiful when you were speaking about the you know the person in rage and violence um, and then to to see deeper what is going on to see through the veil. And this is the red thread that goes through the goddess mythology is that she oftentimes appears as in very grotesque ways. Uh, she appears, uh, you know, like the hag or the witch or the, uh, the furious one. And, and it is this illustrate a place in our consciousness where we can choose either to engage only with the surface appearance or we can move closer and see through through the veils. You know, in the Tantric Yoga, there's a goddess called Maya, Maya Shakti, and she is that delusionary veil. She is that which makes us perceive ourselves like Einstein says, um, the optical delusion of the human mind that we perceive ourselves as separate from each other. And uh, in, in the Tantric Yoga, you know, that, that aspect of consciousness is Maya Shakti. But the interesting thing is that delusion to see that, oh, that is something separate from me is Maya Shakti, but also that which makes me see through the surface into our shared humanity it's also my Shakti. So she's the one who conceals and she's the one that reveals. And even when she appears, you know, in, in mythology, or like these are illustrations of our own consciousness, yeah, the symbols of our own consciousness in our lives, that we can be repulsed uh, by, you know, grotesque surfaces. But equally, we can get entangled in surface living, which you know creates that kind of sense that oh, this is other than me, 
also when it's pretty or seductive. Yeah, but that, you know, we can equally get trapped there. Story that I love, and this is a story about Shiva Shakti, you know, which is really that kind of um, totality of existence and totality also of our own being. And in this story, the god Shiva and his wife Shakti here in the name of Parvati, they are having a great fight. And Shiva, he just wants to escape. He wants to get out of the house because she's so angry. She's just nagging him. And he's just like, no, okay, I'm out of here. I just want to, you know, like he's the one that kind of is the transcended part of us. That wants to just get out of the mess. We want to find, a, a, you know, and maybe I think everybody here can, can recognize that throughout this last year, you must have had that thought of like, how can I just kind of out, you know, I don't want to deal with this anymore. So he tries to check out, he tries to escape, and what happens is that she now, so he runs towards the door, but at, right in the, when he comes to the door, she appears as Kali, as this very kind of fierce goddess. And he gets so afraid, so he runs back and he tries to get out the, and there she appears as this other goddess that is very seductive and beautiful and then she he tries to run through the window and there she is this earthy kind of uh, an artist woman and then he runs to another and and he goes around and she appears in 10 different forms these are like 10 portals of wisdom and some of them are you know repulsive some of them are seductive but each of them are stopping him, telling him that, yes, you can find peace, but you have to go through me. There is no way out. You have to go in. Yeah? You have to go through. <laughs> and that's, in the, that's kind of the resolution of the story when he relaxes. And the moment he surrenders and relaxes, all of these appearances uh, returns back into one. And yeah, so th- there is like that kind of uh, m- one of those maps that we have that, you know, every part of the myth is, is part of our own consciousness. And um, to recognize the essential nature behind the appearances is not the same as not engaging yeah so uh for example a person like you know we have this school shooting here you know this weekend um to to feel what a person who does that just to person feels like in his body motivates him what is it that is so unbearable that somebody do something so unspeakable it's not the same as as saying it is okay you know it's like to have compassion is not a stupid or enabling place it is the way in where we can find ourselves deeper than these appearances and then you have to deal with these appearances that will always take different forms, you know, and some of them will be unbearable and some of them will be acceptable. And uh, But if we move into the trap 
pointing fingers in, in the way that, oh, this is not me, the game going, which is, you know, the root of why people act like that. Right. The, the upheaval of the collective, the chaos of the last couple of years has really kind of turned on its head the the old perhaps traditional attitudes of of how we move forward i mean we were more or less on autopilot as a as a tribe as a collective not that it was functional but people had a general idea of what to expect now with the awakening woman platform and and the you you yourself has have had so much intention with the awakening of the of the woman awakening women's wisdom what is being called of women what is what is arising in them that perhaps didn't exist as a a prominent attribute it it, it seems to me that the, the whole idea of an, an awakening woman especially in the the tempest of the culture that we live in now what are some of the new archetypes or attributes um that that are coming up from within the awakened woman as the the medicine that the woman brings to the the tribe the the culture the community that will help us take this this upheaval as a opportunity to heal Mm. Yeah, I think we are still in the burning, yeah, still of the burning of the old. And um, so one aspect is that to be able to hold the process of death and rebirth without um, reaching for too quick fixes and too quick definitions or solutions to, you know, bear to be in the unknown so that actually something new can arise to trust that kind of more slow composting process that is happening, you know, let the worms and the bacteria and all of that do its work. So, so much of the old, what we call normal, you know, is, is not here anymore, but the new is also not here anymore. Just to hold ourselves in that uh, space in between. Um, one aspect I and I, I cannot speak for everyone. It's very, very diverse, and it has to be. Because maybe that is one of the archetypes, is, is that um, it, it's a lot to break free from boxes and definitions to allow you know, for more of that creative life force energy, Shakti, to 
you know that fl- that current of evolution to to catapult us forward. It's like we are um, stepping out of these uh, repetitive patterns and boxes of normal and 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 all of that which has been going on for thousands of years. It actually has also kept the feminine in you know in a suppressed place. And so there's a lot of liberating out of those boxes, but also not reaching too quickly for new boxes because if we do, they are going to be created out of the old paradigm, out of what we understand now. Nice. So there's that, you know, that kind of, to wait for, for actually something. We have to kind of stand on the edge of evolution with, you know, with, with trembling legs and, and be, tolerate something new being bursted through us and not reach for the formulas and the definitions because then we will just go in circles. We will just go back, which we have to do, I guess, too. It's like it's a spiral process. I see it more than a linear process. But, um, yeah, I see an incredible inclusive, you know, my, my area is spirituality, and I see an incredible inclusive spirituality, spirituality that, that wants to be free and um, and have space for all parts of us. To really examine all those parts. Uh, you know, when I uh, started to practice with the goddesses, I mean, this is almost 30 years ago now, <laughs> but it, it, for me it was, it was a sense of, you know, looking into the mirror and I saw all of these different archetypes and goddesses and they were expressing aspects of my own consciousness that I, in my former spiritual training, had been told I had to get rid of, that they were not holy. Yeah, so I had kind of ended up in this kind of yeah, fragmentation inside, that separation within, even in the name of spirituality. So I see, you know, I meet with thousands of women, and, and it is this grand experiment of of really examining where is the red dotted line between spirit and matter? Is it actually separate realities? Uh, is it true that my sexuality or my feelings or my body is is less holy than uh, my transcendent being? Is it true? Like to really look at all of these concepts that we have taken for granted. Because what we can see, you know, I have also been witnessing what we have been witnessing also the last years. You know, we had, I think it's three or four years ago where the Me Too movement started. And then also that, um, you know, affected so many areas of society and including spirituality. We see so many of these spiritual movements are now revealing, you know, sexual abuse and a lot of this unexamined shadow um, you know, more and more of these movements. And so you can see that a lot of our definition of spirituality, um, although it can you know, feel good and beautiful to be in that transcended, disembodied aspect of ourselves, <laughs> it just doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't bring about uh, integrated, healthy uh, human presence here on earth. Yeah? We just, we just have a lot of examined shadow and we have become a destructive force on planet Earth instead of something benevolent. So, so yeah, <laughs> it's exciting times. 
Well, I I like the notion of um, what what you touched on is staying in the burn. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but let the um, because as you were talking, it there's such a, a yearning for a sense of normal. The idea of getting back to normal, and it, it's really a gift for us, truly, genuinely a gift that we're we're burning through this upheaval. We're burning the old, the incongruent aspects of ourselves. And and perhaps the <laughs> the archetype or whatever, the attribute that wasn't in the past is the burn itself to be okay to feel raw, to be okay to feel the 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 darker sides of us, so to speak, come to light within our own persona to to stay in the burn, so we don't take any of the 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 shadow, the 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 darker fuel of our psyche, of our consciousness, that we don't bring it with us into the future. We we need to burn it off. And so perhaps the the what this particular chapter, so to speak, is asking us to do is stay in the burn and and I mean, how can we see a completely new narrative unless we've completely let go of the old one? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. And this is something that, you know, many of you will recognize also in our personal lives. There is a sense of when we go through something um, radical, in our lives, that there is a sense of like, oh, when am I go- when am I going to return right. to normal, or you know, like, or get back to normal, get back to who I am? But you, we are not the, we will never be the same. You know, we are, we are becoming. You know, with everything we go through, we are becoming, and that that brings us back again to what we started to speak about when we were speaking about the, where we identity with like are we too glued to the different roles and uh, when things burn it feels like dying it feels like a death but it's just a death of that which is kind of in one way already gone it's already you know it's, it's burning and who are we when that is burned who are we uh, what what are is our resources what uh, is our sense of self deeper than all of this that that is falling apart in one way it's only through falling apart we can know and before that it's conceptual it's only when we fall apart we can know who holds us for real so yes i i i can resonate so deeply with that that we are called to stay in the burning and in order to do that, we have to find places like where is my ground when the normal that I had relied upon is not here. 
where can I find find the ground within me? Where, where can I find some, you know, where do I find stability in movement? <laughs> where do I find resources? Was used to reaching for is not here. And um, you know, and this is where, you know, we see these. We see these. In all Western teachings, times like these are held as initiation. Yeah, it's spiritual opportunities when there's a crack in our identity and all a crack in the normal. There is, you know, something else that trickles through. But that can feel like, you know, free falling. <laughs> in between trapeze bars, so to speak. But that's well, an hour I'm can go by. About, I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about taking care of our bodies through this. Yeah, to really also remember that the body is earth, body is animal. So to have basic understanding and practices to soothe the nervous system. You know, to find connect with breath, connect with feet. You know, simple things like that is tools we will need for for the time to come. Nice. Well. Um... Time can go by pretty fast. We're coming up to the end of the episode. And you have really um, committed your life, it seems, to um, creating a platform for the, for the awakening woman. Can you share with our audience, give us uh, an understanding if, if, this is our first time being exposed to you. Tell our audience about your platform and and what services and modalities you provide and how they might connect with you, if you would. Oh, yes, I would love to. Yes, the best way is to go to awakeningwomenplural.com, awakeningwomen.com. And um, we have... um, this was actually one of the gifts of the pandemic is that uh, in the beginning of our almost two, one and a half years ago now, we, we, um, we created an online women's wisdom school. You know, we have been practicing as a community together for I think more than 15 years now. Uh, a lot of it has been online, but it's also been in person. Uh, but this, since we couldn't meet in person, we also created a, our own community platform um, you know, outside the social medias that are, you know, full of distractions. So, um, uh, you know, members in the Women's Wisdom School can connect on this platform and also study what we call embodied mythology, where we use these ancient myths and goddess practices as as maps for the living, breathing landscape, which is the modern, modern women today. Um, there's something that these myths, like most people who are coming and, and, and feeling called to study in this way, notices that it's not really a, something new we learn, it's like something we remember. It's like the cells in our bodies remember uh, this way of, uh, of, um, of coming closer to who we are, to have intimacy with the, the mystery that breeds us through storytelling, to song, to dance, to, yeah, to all of these beautiful practices we have. So awakeningwomen.com, 
um, we are going to, uh, yeah, we have many beautiful programs coming up. So, um, yes, make sure to be on our mailing list. That's the best way for us to communicate. Well, very nice. I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. It's always a pleasure sharing time with you and having you back on the show. I want to thank you for being our guest. Thank you so, so much for having me. Thank you. It's always so uh, really, really uh, nourishing and uh, door opening <laughs> to uh, to talk to you. We've been talking with Shameli Arda, and again, the topic tonight is the myth of separation. You know, we're going to make it. Humanity's going to make it. Uh, I know angst and worry and fret can creep itself into our psyche if all we do is look at chaos, but there's there's an inherent wisdom that shows up when we have a longing, when we long for something. We want uh, a more authentic story, a more supportive, nurturing culture for ourselves. And so it's going to be through the human persona, the human narrative that we're really going to come out the other side, so to speak, in a in a much better place, a much better planet, so to speak. And it's through people like you, you the listener, that that it's gonna happen. It it's not gonna come from outside. It's not going to arrive from anywhere else from than within our own selves, within, within you and me. So I want to thank you, the listener, for showing up for yourself. Here we are at the end of the episode, and here you are. I appreciate your desire to grow your own sense of self. It's my passion, my pleasure to bring you episodes like this one tonight to help connect humanity with perspective and insights. Always a pleasure. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Thank you for joining us tonight. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.